Hey, I just want to remind you again, for those who came in, um, after I give the first announcements, that uh, we have a movie night tonight. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> we have a movie night tonight, uh, starting at 7 o'clock for the, the kids, and then um, at 9 o'clock we have one for um, the grown-ups. So that's going to be a lot of fun. And so movie nights are always fun, just great time of fellowship, kind of hanging out and getting to know people a little bit better. Um, also, wanted to give you kind of a quick update on the facility. Uh, we are almost finished with the painting, as you can see. It's getting there. We have a few more things that we need to do, some touch-up things, and the office needs to be painted and just finishing off this building. And then uh, starting this coming week, we're going to start on the design look of the building because you, you notice it was painted, but also if you look at the pictures out in the foyer, there's that wood trim design that's going to go on the entire building. The glass door, there's going to be a glass garage door on the Grace Impact Center where that, that garage door is now. Uh, it'll be glass. We're going to change out some of the windows. And between the design changes and the glass door and the glass windows that'll change out that glass block. Um, it'll take away that manufacturing look along with the landscaping. So that'll be happening in the next couple of weeks. And then um, he said after July 4th, which July 5th, um, they'll start paving. So next two or three weeks, you're going to see, uh, it's been a dramatic, every time you drive in here is something different, but over the next three weeks, it's really going to happen because of the design changes we're going to make on the outside of the building and also to the paving of the parking lot. You saw the drains were already in. Once they put that paving in, we won't have water problems anymore. It'll look so incredibly beautiful and it'll really pop from the street. And I've heard so many people who actually don't go to our church saying, boy, you guys are doing a lot of amazing things over, the, over there at the church. So it's been neat to watch that. And I just want to encourage you, we don't pass the offering plate around here at Grace Chapel, so you, if you're here for the first time, you're not, not gonna, I'm not going to say this and then pass the plate around. Um, we have done phenomenally well this year with giving, uh, so there's no, I'm not up here wringing my hands or anything, um, but we really would, it'd be great to finish off well. We do need uh, some more resources here to finish off some of the projects that we want to do and do them well, so I just want to encourage you, if you could just sacrifice a little bit more, whether it's $10 or $10,000 if you could just sacrifice a little bit more, we can, we can nail this all down in the next three weeks. We're going to do it. We're going to keep moving forward. It just takes a little bit of pressure off me if we have a little more resources to, uh, to finish off these projects. But I'm really excited. The transformation of this campus is going to be incredible, incredible once it's all finished. And I'm, I'm really, really excited about it. I'm also really excited about this, this series that we're doing. And uh, great expectations. It's been enjoyable. Um, I'm going to probably end it in the next couple of weeks, and we're going to go into the book of First uh, Peter uh, for the rest of the summer. But I've really enjoyed um, preaching on this topic. And so I, I, I picked one of my favorite passages from the Word of God. And I, as I was reading through it, I was praying about it the last couple of weeks. I just felt like God putting this on my heart. It comes from Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, and it says this. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. I have used this passage so many different times. I don't think I've ever preached on it, except when we went through the book of Ephesians. Um, and I'm sure I did then. But as I was this week, as I was as I was praying over this this sermon, I began to ask God to expand my expectations of what he can do through the ministry here at Grace Chapel. 
You know, I read that. It just gets my blood pumping and my heart going. I said, God, just just expand my expectations of what you're able to do here at Grace Chapel. And then as I kept on praying throughout the week, I found myself praying, Lord, help me to pursue you so that I can better understand your desires for the ministry here at Grace Chapel. You know, because you can get all caught up in all the things you want to do and all the things that God can do through you. And then all of a sudden God puts on your heart, you know, the most important thing of all is you, you need to pursue me and my desire for the church. So before we pursue our expectations of God, we need to go and really pursue the heart of our God. You know, we have all we say, oh, well, God, what do you have for my life and what can you do in my life? And God, I have these amazing expectations and I hope you do. But before you go and start asking God for what he can do in your life and how he can work through you and all these kinds of things, before you pursue that, you need to pursue the heart of God. You need to get to know God, what he desires for our church, what he desires for our individual lives. We need to pursue him. And the Bible says that we need to pursue him in obedience with all of our heart, with all of our mind, with all of our soul, with all of our strength. We need to pursue God in obedience. God, what do you want me to do? What is your will for our church? What is your will for my life? If, 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 if we do that, our expectations will expand and will continue to expand. If we seek out God and what he wants for our lives and we keep asking him, God, I want to pursue you. I want to know you and I want to know what you have for my life. Then our expectations will expand and continue to expand because it says in verse 20 that God can do immeasurably more than all we could ever ask or imagine. So if we have great expectations of God, because that's basically been the theme of this series, have great expectations of God and don't have unrealistic expectations of those around you. Have realistic expectations. But my goodness, we should have great expectations of God. And then the Bible comes along and says, yeah, you can have great expectations, but then I can do immeasurably more than all you can ever ask or imagine. See, what that verse is saying is that, is that, is that my expectations will never be so great that God is not able to meet them. That our God is not able to meet them. Isn't that amazing? You can't dream beyond what God can can pull off. If we are in the will of God, if we are if we know our God, if we're following God's desires for our lives, if we understand what he wants us to do as a church, if he understands what if I understand what he wants me to do with my life. And it isn't always doing something that makes me rich or famous or, you know, well known or whatever the case may be. I'm talking about just just seeking God's desire for you and how he's designed you. He will exceed your expectations. There is no limit. There is absolutely no limit to God's power. Only the only only human words and thoughts are limited. When it comes to God's power, we, we're only limited by by what our, our finite minds and what we can think and the words that we can use to describe how awesome and powerful he is. That's the only thing limited about God. God's power is unlimited. Matthew Henry adds this commentary. I love it. There is an unexhaustible fullness of grace and mercy in God, which the prayers of all the saints can never draw dry. 
Whatever we may ask or think to ask, still God is able to do more, abundantly more, exceedingly more, uh, exceedingly abundantly more. Open thy mouth ever so wide, still he hath wherewithal to fill it. So Matthew Henry commentary. I read all these commentaries, okay? You want to get real deep into this? What I'm talking about is exactly what the Bible says. Matthew Henry County, exceedingly abundantly beyond what you could ever ask or imagine. That's how powerful God is. That's what God can do in our lives. That's what our God is capable of doing in our lives. If we pursue the heart of Christ, no matter how big we dare to dream or imagine, it will fall short of what God can deliver. Think about that. I mean, I, I consider myself a visionary. I consider myself a person who likes to dream. But God says, sit down before you hurt yourself. Okay? Let me show you. Let me show you what this is all about. Let me show you what I can do. Let me show you what I can do, not what just you can think. I, I, I find sometimes... I find it challenging as I, as I go and walk through my life and I, and I ask God to do some things. I, I, I want to challenge myself not to get caught up in, well, what if, I, what, if, what if I dream this and it doesn't happen? What if I, I don't want to get caught up there because it, then it limits what I, what I, my desires and it limits what I believe God can do in my life more than anything else. I think it's what happens to people sometimes. They kind of go down the wrong road. They're, they're seeking after things that will glorify themselves. They're seeking after things that will make them them, uh, either rich or famous or whatever else, and then it doesn't happen. These are Christians, and somehow they then blame God, and they say, well, see, that passage is not right, because I had these dreams and aspirations that I was going to be at this place in my life, or this place in my company, or this place, and, and it didn't happen. And then all of a sudden, we start to limit what God can do in our lives. But remember what I said in the very beginning, we need to seek the heart of God. We need to seek God's desires for what she would want to do through Grace Chapel. We need to seek after God's heart and know God's heart for what he would want to do through our lives. We can't go around ignoring God, desiring what we want for our lives, and then asking God to somehow just bless what we want for our lives. Oh, God, I have this dream, and, and, and I, this is what I want. And the Bible says you can do measurably more than all I can ever ask or imagine. So I ask for a million, so I'm expecting five million, because you can do monthly more than all I can ever ask or imagine doesn't work that way. We get to seek the heart of God and know the, know the heart of God. I, I, and from the beginning of this series, I've said that we have to have great expectations of God. And I said that because most Christians have a limited view. Here's the fact. Most Christians have a limited, limited view of what God can do in their lives. They wouldn't say that. They wouldn't, you know, you come to church and you sing songs about how awesome and powerful God is and everything. And you ask a Christian, is God limited? Oh, God's not limited. God can do all these things. But the reality is, and we live it out in our lives, most Christians are limited in their view of what God can do in their lives. So I want to challenge you this morning to expand your expectations in two areas. First, I challenge you to expand your expectations for our ministry. 
for what God is doing right here in our church. Expand your expectation for what God can do. How many times do you come to church? Honestly, don't say it out. Just, you know, keep it to yourself. But how many times do you come to church and think to myself, God is going to impact my life this morning. Gosh, I can't wait to get out of bed. I cannot wait. This is, it's like, oh, Saturday, it's Friday or Saturday. Sunday's coming. Sunday's coming. Sunday's coming because, you know what, I'm going to get to church and God, I'm a, I'm have, I have expectations. I have these great expectations that God is going to impact my life in some, in some incredible way. He's going to help me overcome the struggle, whatever it may be. But God, I, I can't wait to get to church and just see what God is going to do. How many of us come, how, how many, here's this, how many of us came this morning anticipating that Jesus Christ was going to do something extraordinary in our lives. Seriously, how many, how many of us woke up this morning and said, man, I, I, I'm, I'm anticipating God's going to do some, something miraculous in someone's life within the church. Maybe he's going to heal the sick or, or, or maybe he's going he's to transform someone's heart or maybe he's going to break an addiction in someone's life. Maybe my life. Maybe this morning is a time where I just reach out to God and ask him to break that addiction in my life and God is going to come through with something extraordinary. He's going to set my life. Maybe I'm going to show up. God's going to set my life in a new direction. I have been going the wrong way for so long in my life and I'm getting older and I feel like my life is becoming just a waste. And God, this morning, this morning, this morning, June, God is going to do something and change the direction of my life. And you anticipated that coming in. In Acts chapter 3, verses 1 through 10, I love this. We read this. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now, a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have. Okay, But what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by his right hand, he helped him up. And, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the man, as, as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened. One of the things that struck me when I, when, I, when I read that, again, was that these folks, the, these, these people, these religious people, okay, were going into the temple every day, right? They were going in there, going into the temple court. They were going into the temple. Let's just, and let's just bring it down to our time. So they're coming to church. They're coming into church. And this guy's sitting there all the, every day. They bring him over. They lay him down there every day. He's sitting there. And these people going to church every day 
worshiping God. They're going to worship this. Oh, I'm telling you, this God is amazing. He parts the Red Sea. He made, he, he, you know, Jesus could walk on water, all this kind of stuff. So all of a sudden, you know, you come to church and you're, you're coming. We're coming to worship. We're up on the screens. There's these songs that we sing. We're coming to worship God. This God that does miracles. He does miracles. Say amen. Say it louder. Yeah, so God does miracles, and we walk by him every day. Hey, buddy, here's a quarter. See, the disciples, though, they came along, the guy said something to them, and they expected something amazing to happen. Their expectations were that God was going to heal this guy. They had great expectations of God. They didn't just walk by. They had great expectations of God. They saw someone in need and they thought, God, Jesus Christ can change this man's life. Jesus Christ can transform this man's life. Jesus can enter into this man's heart physically, emotionally, spiritually, whatever it is. He can change this person's heart. If we're going to expand our expectations, we need to base those expectations not on what we are capable of doing, but what God is capable of doing through us. There's a difference. If we're going to expand our expectations, we need to base those expectations, not what on Jeff Greer is capable of doing or what John or what Mike or what Pete or what Dave or whatever is capable of doing, but what God is capable of doing through us. And see, when you start to think that way, all of a sudden your mind, your world begins to open up because he can do immeasurably more than all I could ever ask or imagine. He can do immeasurably more through me than anyone could ever believe could possibly happen. I've shared this story before, but it it, it fits in so well with the sermon. I'm going to share it again. I lived in Marblehead, Massachusetts for about four years. And in that four year period, when I first went to Marblehead, they called me and they wanted me to be a youth pastor, missionary to youth. The reason they had the title missionary to youth stuck in there because they had no youth. They had no one in junior high or high school, and they just basically sacrificed, and they said, if we bring someone in, maybe we can, we can get people, like young people, to come to the church, because this was an older church, and there was about 75 people in the church total, and uh, they wanted to make sure that they had some young people coming in. So I was a youth pastor, missionary to youth. So I don't mind going and starting things. That's kind of my thing. I like to start things. And, and so I went there, Deb and I went there, and that's kind of our, our desires, you know, to, to pioneer type, to do pioneer type things, and so we went there and I started kind of watching the students come home from school and, uh, and you know, try to interact with them in not a weird way, but just building relationships the best I can. And I'll get to know one student and he has another couple of friends to get to know them. And as I got to know them, I asked them and I was I was anticipating this because half the kids seemed to be coming home on skateboards. And I said, you know, if you could if you could have one thing in this town, if you could dream, I, I said, you know, if you could dream of one thing, what would it be? And, and they all... To a person, they all said, oh, we, we always wanted a skateboard park. They're always chasing us out of here and chasing us out of there. We can't go in front of this business. We can't go over here. We can't go over there. You know, so we want a skateboard park. And I thought, okay, Jeff Greer had a plan. It was, I had a good plan. I'm going to find a place and build some little ramps for them to do a skateboard park. Because understand, I had no, this church had 70 people in it. I had no youth budget. There was no such thing as a budget. Your budget is whatever you could do by, you know, washing cars or, you know, whatever you could do to make a few dollars. So I said, oh, skateboard park. So my mind 
because I was a dreamer. I was going to find a little piece of something and build a few ramps, and I was going to be a hero. And so I went and I said, okay, we're going to, we'll build a skateboard park. So I went to the town, met a guy at the YMCA. I don't know how I met him, but God just brought him into my life. He was the head of the YMCA, and he knew the people at the park and rec. So the two of us went to the park and rec, and we sat down with them. And I'm thinking, they're never, ever, ever. Okay, so I want you to think about this. The park and recreation is going to let us build a skateboard park, okay, in the park. It attracts sometimes people who kind of carry on a little bit or whatever the case may be. Um, I, I don't, that's the people have in their minds that, you know, oh, those kids, those kids. Um, it, it, you know, people fall and bust their head open. They, they break their legs. They break their arms, whatever else. Oh, the liability. I thought it's never going to work, whatever. But we went there and talked to them. And they said, well, it was amazing. They said, well, yeah, there's a place up by this old manufacturing plant. Uh, it's an old basketball court. We don't use that. You, if you want to, you can, you can use that. I was stunned. We went up there and looked at it. I'm talking a nasty, and I say old basketball court. I mean, our parking lot right now looks spectacular compared to this thing, okay? It was like weeds growing out of the middle of the blacktop, you know, and it was, it was seriously drug paraphernalia all over the place or broken bottles. It was just nasty. And I thought, well, we'll sweep it off. The kids don't care if they, they, they skateboard on cracked pavement. We'll just sweep it off and, and we'll go from there. And so, you know, I, I got all the students together and, and uh, we, we started sweeping it off. And there was sincerely six or eight feet weeds all around this thing. It was, they were huge. And for years it just grow, it had grown up and no one messed with it. So we got people out. The people in the community started hearing about it. They started coming out and we started hacking things down and, and fixing it up. And, and I, you know, I'm, a, I'm the kind of person that's like, I know a guy. You know what I mean? And if I don't know a guy, I'll find a guy that I need to know so he can help me out with what I need to do. Okay? And so I, I found some people in the church, and I do this now all the time. That's how we've you know, survived as long as we have because all you guys, all of us working together. And, uh, and I said, hey, I met a contractor in the church. So I said, hey, maybe you could help me out. He said, well, I need plans. I just need to get me some plans. And I'm thinking, eh. What's that going to take? You know, have someone just draw a little ramp or whatever, no problem. So I talked, to the, I talked to the guy. He said, you know, get me plans and I'll help you out. I said, great. So this other kid, he comes to me and says, hey, my brother's in town. And my brother is a skateboard designer in California. And I was like, good for you. <laughs> what does that have to do with us? Because, you know, so I thought, okay, well, you know, so he brings his brother over. And his brother's like, you know, what are you thinking? I'm thinking, well, some ramps. He goes, yeah, yeah, it's fine. It's fine. Uh, let, me pour, let, me, let me make some things up for you and I'll bring it back to you. And I'm just like, oh, I'm pulling weeds. Okay, thanks so much. So I had my plans, my little ramps. So all of a sudden... Like on a Wednesday, this is on a Monday, on a Wednesday, the contractor's there, and all of a sudden, this skateboard designer comes walking over into our conversation and has the plans, his designs, in his hand. And he's standing there, and, and, and the contractor said, well, what's that? And he said, oh, it's just designs for the skate park. And the contractor says, oh, that's exactly what I need, and he takes them. Okay? And I'm thinking to myself, ah, I'm not going to interrupt right now. I'll just let this guy know. Because he opened it up, and it was like this ridiculously giant horseshoe. You know, I'm like seven feet tall that went up and down and backwards. And I'm thinking, oh, you know, he's, he's going to take one look at that and go, well, I'm not, I'm not in a position to do that. I thought you were talking about some little ramps. So it didn't bother me. I didn't think about it. I just kept on working. Got up about 9 o'clock the next morning. Remember I said when you assume something? What is assumption? The mother of all, right, screw-ups, right? I said last week, 
Right. I assumed that he was going to look at the plan. I assumed that he was going to go. Oh, that's ridiculous. I assumed that I had some time. I didn't. I got up nine o'clock in the morning, walked up there and this guy had bulldozers and tractors up there. And he had dumped about 20 tons or whatever it is of, of, of rocks and dirt on top of the entire basketball court in the shape of a horseshoe. I don't have any money. Okay, and I'm thinking, this is not my plan. This is not my dream. This is not what I had laid out. And so he puts it up there. And I'm like, I'm seriously, I'm walking home now. I'm walking home thinking, uh, I'm thinking, how am I going to tell my wife we have to move? How do I, how am I going to tell Deb we have to move? Because once the, <laughs> once the park and wreck and all the people in the town see that we just dumped 20 tons of junk on, the, on, this, on this thing we were going to build little ramps on, I'm going to be the laughing stock of the world because I don't have any money to cover it with gravel and blacktop, for goodness sake. Did I not tell anybody that in the whole, during this whole time? You know what I'm saying? So I'm walking home and I'm thinking, uh, and I'm honestly before the Lord, I said this. I said, Lord, whose idea was this anyway? Whose idea was this? It wasn't, it wasn't my plan. It wasn't my plan. I had a couple little ramps. And God said the same thing he said to me before. Would you sit down before you hurt yourself? Let me show you how to build a skateboard park. Okay, I'm gonna, this, this is my plan. I can do immeasurably more. Now, I, I wasn't thinking that. I wasn't quoting scripture in my mind on the way home. God's going to do something. He's going to do a miracle. I walked over to my mailbox. This is a complete fact of life. Open my mailbox up thinking, you know, I'll get the mail before I go in and break the bad news. We have to move to my wife. And, I, and there was a letter on the very top. It had my address with the wrong zip code on it. And it was from Lynn Sand and Stone. And I opened the letter up, took it out, and there were four Red Sox A's ticket in there. When Red Sox were, you know, doing really, really well and everything. And these were box seats. These were amazing. And it said, Dear John, thank you so much for your business. Please accept these Red Sox tickets as a you know, gesture of our thanks, blah, blah, blah. My address, wrong. They sent it to the wrong person. Well, I knew, it, I knew where Lynn Sand and Stone was. was a huge gravel and blacktop company, the largest one on the North Shore. Of, there in Marblehead, Massachusetts, largest sanding, I mean, gravel and blacktop company on the North Shore. So I, I what I basically did was I, I said to myself, well, could this be a sign? <laughs> but I didn't want to get my hopes up because I'm thinking, that's still not going to because I actually was thinking, well, maybe I should go to these people and just ask for a donation. Maybe I can go and, you know, maybe as, on the way home, I was thinking, you know, what if there's a possibility I could go there and tell them what we're doing and maybe they would. So I go, there, I go there one day, and I didn't want to ask them for the gravel on the blacktop that day because I thought it would be kind of rude to say, hey, I, I have some tickets. Can you help me out? So I went back, and there was a woman. She came out of the office, and I said to her, listen, these tickets came to my house. They're Red Sox tickets. Here's what the note says, blah, blah, blah. And she said, thank you very much. Oh, really appreciate you bringing that back. Thank you, thank you. I said, oh, no problem. I just want to make sure they got to the right place. Left there. Went back the next day. Went to a different person and uh, said, hey, I'd like to talk to someone about a donation. So this other guy comes walking out of the office. And he, as I'm talking to him about, hey, we got this, this horseshoe and we're trying to build this thing for the kids. He's looking right past me. He's so bored with our conversation. It's unbelievable. Until the secretary comes out walks up to him and says to him, hey, that's the guy who brought back the tickets. All of a sudden, the whole world changes and he focuses attention. What were you saying about gravel and blacktop? Because this guy sent them to the wrong place. This was one of their largest customers and they would have just blown the guy off like, ah, you know, who cares about your business? And so since I brought those tickets back, I saved him. 
And he said, what was this all about? He said, here's what I want you to do. I'm going to make a phone call. I want you to go down the street. There's a larger office building. I want you to go and talk to someone in that. Oh, here's the guy's name. I get in there. I go up to this top floor. I walk in this office. It's about as, for me, I was like in my mid-20s. It was about as big as this room and a giant desk and this big guy sitting behind it. He, I was so intimidated. I felt like you're walking forever to get to his desk. You know what I mean? Like, Oliver, you're like, you know, gee, sir. Um, so he said, hey, I got a call. He goes, well, what do you need? I said, I, I pulled the whole, I pulled the, the plan. And he goes, well, how much do you, you know, cubic feet square, whatever. I was like, a whole bunch. You know what I mean? That's, <laughs> I'm sorry. I had no idea. I was like, I still do the same thing with the guys here. A whole bunch. How much painting do you know? A whole bunch. So I put it out and he goes, I go back to the office and I'll, I'll see what I can do. You know, he didn't commit to anything. I go back there. He said, he's going to give you all the gravel and the blacktop to cover the entire horseshoe thing and the whole entire basketball court. For nothing. For free. That was not my plan. That was God's plan. God can do immeasurably more than all you could ever ask or imagine. Those kids wanted a skateboard park, and Jeff Greer's dream and plan was for a few little ramps, but God's plan was for an elaborate, amazing skateboard park that cost nothing. God can do immeasurably more than all we could ever ask or imagine. So my question to you this morning is, one of my questions is, how can, how can you be a part of the momentum that God has at our church right now? How can you use your gifts, your talents and abilities in what God is doing here at Grace Chapel. Now, I want to be, I want to be clear because I was told that I'm not clear all the time. I get people all revved up and I'm not being clear. I'm not asking you, how, what do you think the staff can do? Okay. What more do you think the staff can do to build things here at Grace Chapel? What I'm saying is, because some people think, oh, you know, I have a dream that, that, we, that we should do this with our church and we should expand this ministry and do this that will really help me. And that's all cool. But what I'm asking you to do is not expand the staff's roles and responsibilities, but ask what you can do within the body to enhance or strengthen the ministries that exist here at Grace Chapel. There is a whole room full of gifted, talented people here. How can God use you? How can God use your abilities? Because if you get involved, he will do immeasurably more than all you could ever ask or imagine. You know, we really need greeters. We need greeters. We lost one of our one of the most one of the really special people in our church this week, Jim Bollinger, he passed from cancer, and I just wanted to say that if some of you didn't know him. If you didn't know that he passed, what an amazing man! He's out here greeting every Sunday. He impacted the life. This place was filled up yesterday as a memorial service. People just sharing what the impact that he had on people's lives. You can have an impact on someone's life just by going in the foyer and letting people know we are so glad that you are here. Thank you for coming. Thank you for being a part of this church. So greeters, children's ministry, we need people, we need people in every area of ministry. My college professor used to say, one person, one job. Everybody take one job in the church and we're good. And so I want to encourage you, what is God calling you to do within the body of Christ? Second, let's expand our expectations of what God is able to do in our personal lives. This verse continues, according to his power, his power that is at work within us. So many times we, we, we seem to feel as though God can't use us the way he's used people in the past. You know, that, well, that, we read the Bible and you're like, oh, yeah, that was the past. 
you know, they did that in the past and God used those people. He's not going to use me the same way. We're afraid to think big. Honestly, we're afraid to think big and to dream big because thinking big may lead to failing. Hear me out. Failing big. And failing big may lead to embarrassment, and that's a pride issue, because I don't want to be embarrassed. So I'm not going to try. I'm basically going to play it safe. I'm going to play it safe because I don't want to step up and try this. I'd rather have someone else do it. Let's pull someone else in, because if I'm the one doing it, and I think big and dream big, and it fails, then I'm going to be embarrassed. And if I'm embarrassed, that's a pride issue. You know, it's funny that Moses didn't really want Aaron around or really to help him until pride got in his way. Think about it. Think about it. Moses and Aaron. Moses was was not an eloquent speaker. Okay, God chooses him. And Moses is basically making excuse after excuse, even though God told him he would be there with him. He would help him. He made excuse after excuse so that he could get Aaron to speak for him. Now, you can say that Moses was a man who had humility because he realized that he didn't have, he was not going to influence the most powerful man on the planet, which is the Pharaoh of Egypt at that time, within, within his own strength. I understand that. And that his own people may not follow him or believe that God was going to use him to deliver them. I understand that. I, I, I totally understand that. But he was prideful in not believing God when God told him that when the time came that God would give him the courage, God would give him the strength, and God would give him the words to say when that time came. That was a pride issue. God was not happy about it. If you read that, if you read that over again, God was not happy about it at all. We're going to talk more about that next week, that whole theme and about Moses next week. See, it's okay. It's okay to be humble and know that without God, that you are incapable sometimes. You don't have the strength to accomplish some of the things that God wants you to accomplish. But you have to remember that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. We need to remember that we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. I don't have it, but I can do all things through Christ who gives me that strength. Students, your age is not a prerequisite of you doing something great for God. Hear me out here. I am so, oh my goodness, it, it ticks me off more than anything else when junior high and high school students who go floating along doing all their merry things and just somehow think that God can't really work in their lives and do something spectacular in their lives because you're only children, you're only kids, and when you get older, maybe God can use you then. Your age is not a prerequisite for you doing great things for God. Example, Samuel. Right. Samuel obeyed God. He trusted God. He listened to God from childhood. Mary, the mother of Jesus, okay, was a teenager when she gave birth to the Messiah. David faced Goliath as a teenager. Joseph was 17 years old when he stood with God and he went through all those trials and difficulties in his life. He was a teenager. How about the little boy who brought the brought his lunch and gave it right Andrew gave it to Andrew. Andrew brought him to Jesus. He gave his lunch to Jesus and fed 5,000 people. That little boy had no idea what Jesus was going to do with his lunch, but I'll tell you something. He knew that he would do immeasurably more than all he could ever ask and imagine with those fish and bread. The little boy knew that Jesus would do more than he could do with the bread, and he did. And that boy's faith, that little boy's faith, and Andrew's faith fed 5,000 people. Your financial position... Your financial position is not a prerequisite for doing something great for God. It is not. 
we built a skateboard park with no money. For goodness sake, we built Grace Chapel with little or no money. We built a company called Self-Sustaining Enterprise with little or no money. We built back-to-back ministries with little or no money back in 96. Most of my life was, was, was based on building things with little or no money. And I'm sure you can have the, you have the exact same testimony. You went out there when you first started that business, when you went out, when you got out of college, whatever it was, and you had the dream that you were going to try and do this, you didn't have pockets full of money. Your financial situation is not a prerequisite for you doing something great for God. Your education is not a prerequisite for you doing something great for God. Just because you didn't graduate from that whatever university or that school, even if you didn't graduate from any school, God loves to use people. He loves to use people that other people would not consider maybe the top of the ladder or whatever else other words we could use to describe people. You know what? God loves to use unassuming people. He loves to use people who are ordinary, if you will, because when he does his thing, when God does his thing, guess who gets all the credit? There's no issue with who should get all the credit. When someone, when a president or someone, whoever you expect to do great things, does something great, we'll say, well, you know, look, he's, look how great he is. When someone ordinary does something great, there's no question, there's no argument over who did it. When, especially when the person said, God is working through me to do these things. Your, your, your talent or lack thereof is not a prerequisite for you doing something great for God. Let me tell you what I've learned in my life. Almost about a week away from 52. And here's what I've learned in my life. I don't have to be the smartest or most talented person in the room to be successful. I just need to pursue the heart of God. Here it is. And surround myself with the smartest and the most talented people in the room to be successful. So when you sit back and say, well, you know, I don't, I'm not good at this and I'm not really good at that. And I don't see how God can use me because I'm not very smart or I'm not very this, whatever. And you can sit there all day long and complain all the things of how God just cheated you out of whatever you needed to have. When I, when I was online for the whatever, I must have ducked and I didn't get it. Well, that's great. But you know what? I, I might have ducked, but I have the 10 people in this room who didn't duck. And so I go, hey, you, 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 and you come around me because I stink at this. I stink at most things, but you know what? You don't. And I, I know a guy, or I know a girl, I know a woman, I know a man, okay? I know somebody, I know one of you, I can see it right in your face. I know you, and so I just ask you. You don't have to be the smartest guy in the room. Every CEO, every, every successful CEO I've ever met in my life has told me the exact same thing. You surround yourself with people who are the talented people. You surround yourself with people who are better than you at most things, and you will be successful. That's why I always think we cannot lose my if you would all engage, if you would all serve in the ministry here, if you would all use the gifts, talents and abilities and the resources that God has given you to fulfill the vision that God has for us. There is no way we lose. There's there's nothing. There's nothing we can accomplish. Nothing. If the body of Christ comes together. And everyone uses their gifts, their talents, their abilities. Everyone uses what God has given them. There is nothing. I looked across at a table at someone about a month ago and asked them to be on a board that that I'm a part of. And I looked at him and I said, you know what? Understand something. All I need to do is surround myself with the who. And my success is a foregone conclusion. 
we will fulfill this vision. Why? Not because I'm so great and I'm so smart and I'm, I know somebody. Actually, it kind of is because I know somebody. I looked across the table and said, if I can get you and others like you around this table, there is no way I fail. No way. That is a four. I don't need any money. All I need is the who. If I have the who, everything else comes with it. We are the body of Christ. We are the who. We are the people of God. And if we come together, we can do all things through Christ. We can do everything through Christ. You know, when it says according to his power that works, that it work within us, it means that God, that God works in us, not not as a not as an external force. It's it, it, when this passage is talking. It's not talking about God as some external force. It's talking about God working within us, within our lives. We have the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ living in us. When Jesus Christ rose and dead, that same power is living in you. Why do I say he can do immeasurably more than all we can ever ask or imagine and he can do it through us? Because his power is living in and through us. In this passage, it's not some external force that comes in. It's an internal giving of the Spirit of God to move in people's lives. It is the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. And I, I almost want to, I wish I could use different words to describe this to you because if, if we could truly understand what this verse is talking about, it would transform everything in our lives. We would be different people. We would anticipate things differently. We would think about things differently. We would act differently. We would talk differently. We would have more confidence in ourselves, not because we're so great, because the one who lives in us is so great. Greater is he that is in me. That's where that passage comes from. Greater is he that is in me. Nothing can stop you. Nothing on this earth, nothing anywhere in the universe can stop a person who's filled with the Spirit of God, who's filled with the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. Because nothing is more powerful than that. Nothing is more powerful than that. The indwelling power of the Holy Spirit. The resurrection power of Jesus Christ. So here's the thing. I want you to understand this. I want you to grasp this. With Christ living in you, you are more powerful than you could ever imagine. You are, you are more powerful. You are more. You are more. I wish I could live in every single one of your eyes. You are more powerful than you could ever imagine. You are more powerful than you can possibly imagine. Do you understand that? You are more powerful than you can possibly imagine. Why? Because God created you. God designed you. God purposed you. And God, if you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, God lives in you. I'm not confident in myself. But you know what? I'm overconfident in God working through me. And I am there. I, and where my, where, my, where my confidence goes through the ceiling is if I have you working around me too, and I'm working around you. If we're working together on what God has called us to do in each other's lives individually and as a church, I am overconfident. I don't think we're going to fulfill the vision that God is calling to us to. I know we are. It's impossible for us not to. Why? Because he can do all things. All things are possible when we have Jesus Christ in our lives. I challenge you to go home and ask God what he wants to do in your life and not allow your limitations to hinder your expectations. 
Not allow your limitation to hinder your expectations of God because he can do immeasurably more than all you and I can ever ask or imagine. Let's, let's go. Let's go, people. Let's go. Let, let's fulfill every... Let's, let's ask God for amazing things in this church and then let's expect it to happen. Giving what God has... Given all that God has given to us Let's put it in the pile. Let's put. Let's, let's 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 engage in the game and fulfill all that God has for us, because He can do immeasurably more than all that we can ever ask or imagine. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this time. We thank you, Lord God, that you're an awesome God who loves us, who's created us, and who wants to use us. God, I pray that we would leave this place with anticipation that you're going to speak to our hearts and that you're going to tell us, Lord, what you want us to do and then you're going to accomplish that through us because you can do all things. Help us to surround ourselves with people who will, who will fulfill the calling on our lives. Help us to be humble, Lord God, and bold at the same time, but not to let our pride get in the way and to shrink back. Because we have you standing behind us, standing in front of us, and standing beside us. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great, great week.